One more, kids. You ready? Let's get to it. Glad you guys are here. Let's party. Um, yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to do it with you guys. It's going to be great. That's that? a that new gym. That was a like, new one. That was kind you know of that scary. Reminds, that reminds me, of, reminds me of something I want to talk about. <laughs> um, that was kind of scary. Was yeah, that? I want to talk about Emily Salonic. Yeah. And her Let's irrational... talk about... Hey, by the way, this is Get the Go Podcast. John Mark Selig with... Barry Davis. Uh, Nick is actually kind of like, you know, our fact checker today. He's going to be pretty much when anytime Barry and I just completely make up in everything and anything, what's going to happen is he's going to, he's going to call BS on all of it. You're and not a gonna, real, you're not a real podcast. If you don't have, if you don't have a fact checker, a guy in the back on a laptop, like Jamie on, you know, Joe yeah. Rogan, like, Hey, Jamie, can you Google that real quick? Do you have the Google machine ready? I'm ready. The okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Um, we're also, we have a special guest today, Emily Salonic. Hello. Yay. Uh, this, is, this, is all, this has been way too long. Um, mainly, this was spurred on. We've been needing to have a special guest on the podcast for a while. And the biggest reason we've needed somebody else is because we're starting to get sick of talking to just each other. <laughs> and so... Um, I think people are sick of listening to us. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other part of that is that we spurred on a conversation that we're going to get to, I would imagine, at some point. But how Barry and I... Um, I've been training. We, we, we have not been training. We're mentally preparing. Um, I've pretty much just been icing my, my undercarriage <laughs> um, for, for a month. So I have not been training. But we need to talk about what we're actually planning on potentially that's why we brought a specialist yeah. on the podcast john mark and i are going to try to run a 5k in the next six months <laughs> we want a little expert advice yeah well um, i'm not really an expert on 5ks yeah wait you ran in college or, right i did run in college um i ran track and cross country at, but shorter distances right yes yes um, the 800 was 800 1500 mile i did cross country but that was not my. Do you think the 800 is the worst event? I would say it's Possible? probably one of the most painful events. What's worse, 1500, 800? Uh, I'd say the 800. It's terrible because you're almost sprinting, but you're not. Yes. Yes. But you can't. I mean, I guess some of those guys in the 400, they're. I mean, they're pretty close to a sprint. A 400 is a is a sprint. It's right. a. It's a, what my coach in college used to say was speed endurance. So I trained in a group that was half people who did like the 400 and 800 and then people who did the 800 and the 15. And they were very different types of runners. Types of bodies too, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess my question would be, do you run a little bit longer now? than just 800 meters <laughs> yes i have gone in the opposite direction and now if i don't run more than 30 miles i feel like it was too short of an event yeah yeah why why did you do that uh let's marathon no thanks yeah um we're gonna touch on a bunch of different things but this is uh emily's been a part of the gym for a long time loved having her here um and a part of the gym she's actually moving um but we're going to get to that in a little bit too. But 
Um, first question for me, why in the world did you start? How many, how many hundreds have you done at this point? Um, I have completed four and attempted five. Should, should we talk about the fifth one? What happened on yeah, the fifth one? Yeah, we can talk about the fifth one. Um, that was my first hundred. Yeah. It was Leadville in 2017. And I, I actually value that race more than any other race that I've done because I learned so much from that um, I guess I could call it a failure, but I learned so much from that experience just about what not to do, what worked, what didn't work. And then also I think the biggest thing in ultra running is your body is going to feel very, very bad. And yeah. I just didn't know how bad I was going to feel. Like you thought, I think I remember, like you thought like <laughs> I am causing damage to myself yes. and this is not I'm not okay with this yes right? I thought that I had like permanently crippled my feet um right. and I also made you know the the cardinal mistake of most ultra marathons is poor pacing yeah so I had I you had, went out too hot I went out really fast did I you even great. have an idea at that time because you weren't you weren't as seasoned as you are now. Did you even go into it thinking like, I need to hold this pace and you were too greedy and you're like, I'm in a race situation. I'm, I'm feeling really good. I'm just going to go faster because I feel good. Yes, I felt great. Um, and Led Leadville is a very hard race because of the altitude, but yeah. it's not a super technical course except for um, the the hope pass part, which is kind of the crux of the race, yeah. but the rest of it is very, how runnable. far is hope pass into the whole deal? Hope pass is from like mile 40. Can you point to hope pass on your t-shirt? <laughs> I'm wearing my Leadville <laughs> shirt. Um, it's the big spiky part. Um, so hope the pass Batman part in the uh, middle of the t-shirt. Yes. Hope pass is about from like mile 40 till about mile 62. Yeah. So it's, it's the turnaround and it's, you know, it's a high altitude, it's steep, it's rocky. How high do you get? You get just under 13,000 feet, and, twice. And I know some of this, but I think it's good to have people explain and understand um, total elevation of the race. So Leadville is only about 15,000 feet of elevation gain, which over 100 miles is not, it, it's a lot of elevation gain, but it's not, you know, crazy right. high. Um, so most of the race is very, very runnable. It's very, you know, rolling, except for a few parts that are, you know, steeper. So it's very easy to, you know, go out really fast and kind of not uh, hold yourself on that pace that you know you should be running. And then... 40 miles later, you feel terrible and, you know, it's, there's, it's a difference between running a marathon and bonking at mile 20 and you could walk six miles, but yeah. could you walk 46 miles? I tried. Right. right. <laughs> Here, we should probably take a step back. Like, when did you decide that, Hey, I want to do, did you do a marathon first, a trail marathon? 
So I've kind of worked my way up since I moved to Colorado um, in the fall of 2009. I started yeah. running on trails here. I didn't really run on trails in college or growing up. Um, I started running on trails here. And the amazing thing about a place like Vail, Colorado is there's infinite numbers of trails and you get to see amazing, beautiful mountains and sites. So I just kept wanting to go a little bit further and a little bit further. And I also realized that when you're on trails, you can go slower <laughs> somewhat yeah, yeah. Um, than you do when you're running, you know, a 5k on the road. So I just kind of worked my way up into more technical trail races and then longer um, trail races, eventually deciding I wanted to do a 50 miler um, that I needed a qualifying race for. So I did a 50k. And you still have to qualify for Leadville. No, this was a different 50 miler. Oh, okay, okay. This okay. was a couple cool. years before that. Um, Can anybody, we, we're asking for a friend. Can yes. anybody just sign up <laughs> for the Leadville 100? Yes. Okay. Anybody can sign up for Leadville. That some require, like <laughs> some of them require qualifiers. Um, do you suggest running much before you actually do the Leadville 100? No, you, you, <laughs> you don't need to do much. That's my theory. If we Just save a few our bike energy, rides. Save your energies. Kinda, yeah, yeah. You know, and then we treat it like a life or death situation. Yeah, like, yeah. We have, that's, like uh. the, the only, like, I, I'm a firm believer that anyone could run 100 miles or anyone could walk slash run slash hike 100 miles. It's the cutoffs that right. are in the race scenario are what, kind of put that pressure on you and Leadville is kind of notorious for having really strict and really kind of aggressive cutoff times. Yeah. So um, tell, tell me the first cutoff you have to get to where. Oh gosh, I can't even remember now. Um, but the big one is the halfway mark cutoff. That's like at hope at, at on hope. the other side oh, of hope pass. Side of hope. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you have 15 hours, I believe, 15 or 14 so hours. So what kind of pace is that? What would that, what would that be? Um, I'm not 100% sure because this is the other thing with hundreds is you're never running at one pace. You're either running, your average pace might be, you know, 15 miles an hour or 15 minute miles, but you're never actually running a 15 minute mile. You're either running a lot faster than that or, or a lot slower so, than yeah. that. So. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, I'm sure they're... So you might be running 10-minute miles when the flats or on the downs. Yes. And then on the ups, you're running 20s. And so yeah. it averages out to 15. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So, and just, everybody runs them differently. Just putting these in the back of my head, guys. <laughs> just taking notes. <laughs> just for a friend. Just yeah. for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> just like, but... So Sorry to interrupt, to but ballpark, your... just looking at us, looking at us, like two random guys off the couch. Yes. If we were going to show up and run Leadville 100, who would you put your money on? <laughs> I would say that you guys should do it together because that's that's part of the joy of these ultra marathons is you spend so much time the out joy. there and you're with all these people you you kind of move in and out of different people you meet people you're going you know you get to spend time with interesting people but the last half mile the sprint finish who's the last you, half mile yeah, 99.5 we're gonna be bros <laughs> but then the last half mile who are you betting oh on? man i don't know i might have I'm, to you're just an expert so i want your opinion i'm very much not an expert i might have to see you guys do the little time trial maybe like a 400 meter yeah, time trial yeah, and then yeah i think see, it's uh, a good call. we should start with the sprint you we have a tread we have a treadmill yeah but so we could just do that for like a minute each. It, nothing See? says training for Leadville like a treadmill. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, no, Emily, it's totally Emily, can you compare Leadville to other races 
Tell us how daunting that race is. Um, Leadville is daunting because it has a lot of like lore around it, like yeah. a lot of history. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of like emotion. And the um, elevation probably alone is probably like yeah. bonkers, right? The elevation definitely makes pe- other people nervous. I like the elevation. I'm more of a mountain goat. So yeah. I like higher elevation. I like climbing. Yeah. I like rocky, like steep. Um, more running races where you're it's flatter i don't tend to be as strong in yeah um but leadville there are it's probably one of the biggest hundred fields in the u.s so it's a lot of people it's a lot of emotion um and there's a lot of like stress at that race um, there's tons of people all over the course, which is right. awesome. But if you're not feeling your best, it can be very anxiety inducing. Cause people are wanting to pass you at certain spots. Yeah. 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 It's just there, there's a level of pressure that I felt in Leadville that I did not, I haven't felt in any other race yeah. that I've done. What's your favorite race? Um, my favorite race probably is the one I just did in Wyoming called the Bighorn 100. Um, and that was because it was very low key. It was beautiful. It had a ton of climbing, which I love. How and much, how much more climbing in comparison? That one had almost 21,000 feet wow. of climbing. Um, which like I said, in the longer ones I do, I do higher, same elevation. It's lower elevation. elevation, lower elevation. Yeah. So it starts lower. Yes. So, that also plays to my advantage, you know, living at 8,000 feet, right. training at eight to 10,000 feet, and then racing, you know, between five to 9,000 feet feels, right. feels good. Um, and then I also think every race I do, whether it goes well or fine or okay or bad, I gain more experience. And I find that in ultra marathons, experience is very valuable when it comes to all of the logistics and other things that go into running these races. Because for me, running a hundred is a team sport. I need a support crew. I need a pacer. I need help from other people. But you've had like a pretty amazing for every single event, you've had a pretty amazing group of people that have rallied around you and just love you in general. And they love to feel like I've, I, I sense that they're like the same it's almost like when you get across the line, they feel like they did it too. Like I, I really have gathered that from, from Corey and Travis and even your mom, especially your mom. She just thinks it's so cool. But um, could you, do you think you could have, do you think you could do one now without a support crew? I think I could. It's whether I want to or not. Right, right. Um, so the the first year I tried Leadville, I needed something to kind of like redeem myself mentally, emotionally. Yep. So I signed up for a 50 miler, um, but I would be doing it without any crew, no pacers, nothing. I wouldn't have anybody with me. And it was so sad to come into the aid stations and not see right. a familiar face or have someone just to like, cheer your name specifically right. and i after that race which did not go that well i swore that i was never going to do another race unless i had you know at least one person there to support me and i'm 
so lucky and grateful that I have the amazing crew that I do. And, um, you know, especially the, I have, I feel like I have a lot of support from not just my family and friends community, but also like the, the goat community here and then my ski patrol community. So yeah. it's, well, I guess my go, what do you, well, I was going to talk about a different kind of support. So, um, and maybe this is a bad segue, but I'm getting there. Just go for it, bro. How does the there's goat? No, there's no agenda. So, anymore. how does training at the goat, right? Like, so most people would think like ultra endurance runner, like ah, easy, go run. But you've been <laughs> um, at the goat for a while, and I'd like to know how the goat helps you, and then even kind of tracking your progression now from like 17 when you didn't complete to being able to, you could probably do anything now. Um, can you talk a little bit about how weight training and goat training ties into this yeah historically um well i think i think that this gym has been incredible for my physical well-being you know keeping me strong and keeping me durable and tough yeah um as well as the mental aspect because because anybody can run but to run a race especially an ultra marathon, you have to be incredibly stubborn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and stubborn, another word for being stubborn is being tough right. and tenacious. Um, and that's really what I've gotten from this gym. Tenacity. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm lucky that, you know, John Mark introduced me to my running coach, Rich, who's right. also a big believer in that strength component. Right. And I, I don't run, I don't do very high mileage for someone who runs hundreds right, milers, right. but I think I am very durable. Yeah. You have a lot of those guys that to me, that's a lady that they run, <laughs> they run six, seven days a week. When I see one you walking know. down the street and I can say, she's durable. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. I want that Swiss army woman. You know like, what I mean? She can do anything. She's durable. <laughs> I think the hard part is you have a lot of those guys that just, they have a lot of junk miles. So they are building up for a mountain bike race or even, and that's fine. Like if your goal is just to run, like, if you just love running all the time and you don't really care, but if you're just wanting their force gumping if, it, yeah, if you're just, I got to run. Um, I went running. Is that a term? Is that a term racers use? Uh, yeah. Okay. Is like, it really is? Yeah. You're going to force gump it. Look at that. We're so ahead of the curve. <laughs> I think the hard part is like trying to get people to figure out that running all the time is not that productive and your, uh, and your injury rate goes up significantly. Um, and obviously our goal is in the gym to have people more durable, but it's also that anytime you, sp you become very specific in your sports, you're gonna, you're gonna have issues with something else. And that's usually what happens and what I see is like, yeah, sure, you're, you're gonna bike a lot and your legs are gonna get really, you know, really strong for that sport. But what happens is your back starts to get a little bit weaker. You start to have some tweakiness in your shoulders from being in that position all the time. So there's lots of things that kind of come into it that um, what do you feel is like one 
thing that if you didn't strength train that you would feel like, oh, I would have some, I would definitely have some more tweakiness with this, if that makes sense. Or what has helped the most when it comes to durability, physical durability? I think, well, one of the biggest aspects is also just the mental. I get like a sense of safety from the strength training that I can do these higher volume races and higher volume mileages and big vertical up and down. Like that gives me security in my body in knowing that I have the strength to manage it. Um, I think definitely, especially combination of ski patrolling for almost a decade and then running a lot in the mountains, I think definitely my knee health is like very, very strong. And I think that's one of the biggest things from here. Um, you hear a lot about, you know, it band and, you know, runner's knee and things like that. And I've been fortunate enough to not really have dealt with any of those issues. And I think that has to do with the stuff we do in here. Would you suggest that a guy that's had seven knee surgeries to do a hundred mile run. Start running. That's what they say. I would say, I would say, I don't see why you can't. I think, I think that. But see, Barry, Barry has a different theory. We just need to go do it. Yeah. And I'm not on that same page. To be fair, five of those knee surgeries were cosmetic. That's very true. My beautiful knees. Yeah. Beautiful knees. John Mark used a to have really implant. saggy baggy elephant knees. It's disgusting, but now they're sleek and smooth and ready to run. Yeah. A knee lift, you know? I mean, I have a pretty good idea of how we would need to progress to build up to a hundred mile run. And that would probably need to take two years, Barry. Two, no, no way. I don't think so. I think you would just have to, you would have to focus on kind of, you well, you would focus on wherever you were going to run your hundred, you would focus on what that terrain was going to be like. Yeah. And then you would kind of work on that type of running. So like if it was going to be flat, you would work on more speed or if it was, you know, hillier, you would work on more hiking, focusing on vertical. Um, and would you say what if if you were to tell us hey this would be a really good starter hundred which one would that be i mean i'm just asking for a friend i mean (laughs) i mean there's so many out there and there's so many different ones it just depends like there's ones that are like literally almost flat like 300 feet of elevation i don't want that because that means you have to go fast yeah um there's ones where you do loops Ooh, that's Um, mine that would be a mind game right (laughs) There's some that are kind of in the middle. I mean, and that's the thing is it's kind of a misnomer where people say this is a good first hundred miler because it's like, well, you're still running a hundred miles. So I would say I play feel, to your strength. It's the one in our backyard. After 12, you do the one in your backyard. I know, but after like 12,000 feet, I get funny in the head. <laughs> so you'd pick one my, at My legs don't elevation. work. I trip a lot. That's what I want to see. Uh. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, they all have their challenges. Like some of the ones that are, quote, easier are in warmer climates, which, you know, I don't. But then you're just more of a road runner. You're just a road runner that happens to do it on trail, right? Not necessarily. I mean, there's plenty of like hilly ones, but they're 
they're hot. You know, it's just there's right. so many different factors that go into it. So part of the reason why I picked Leadville was because, one, I live 45 minutes away. And right. two, I know that I'm not the fastest runner, but I'm a good uphill runner. So I felt like that one I could do well in. Um, the Run Rabbit one in Steamboat is that's a good that'll be a good first one. It's long though. So that might be tough. Well you don't get that t shirt. <laughs> it's a sweet t shirt. It is a sweet t shirt. It's gold and sparkly in case anyone wants <laughs> okay. to Okay. I I think you're not even you you're just like Barry, like I, I could do this tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, do we yeah. just have? Do we just run it unsanctioned? I and think Emily you just do a backyard. You just do a backyard ultra, and you can uh, just have, have people pace you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I um. Or do we need to actually sign up for an event? Train. We 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 can need to put a little, 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 little bit in the tank. I think a year, but um, I think if I had to do it off the couch, I could. Because it's coming up next week, right? What is? The level 100? Or is it's already? August 18th, I believe. August 18th. Yeah. So if you wanted to so jump do you want in to sign in? Bin. Like, it's three weeks away, Barry. Do you want to... I mean, we could we could definitely do it. Uh, and then just pull out like halfway <laughs> through. Does someone pick you up midway through? If you if you drop out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you could have... Like, would you, you pick us ride. up? Even come back from Montana? I'll, I'll drive down and pick yeah. you up. Okay. So. When I say you could also I hide in the I could do it off the couch, I appreciate that's one of the dumbest thing many of our listeners have ever heard. Yes, but, um, I I think I could too, but I think I'd I'd have some major repercussions. Yeah, the next month would be terrible. Maybe longer. Like if you, what's the longest and like what how even someone who's fit and ready, how absolutely mangled are you after the race? Like, and and how long does it take you? have any horsepower again like even when you feel recovered and then you go out and try to run aren't you like depleted for a long time um it it depends on the year i think it depends on the person too and also like how how hard you ran overall you know like for me i'm not running at a fastest pace as the people who are winning or even in the top 10 so like i don't feel as like broken. I feel afterwards. like you were actually <laughs> when you didn't finish, mm-hmm. you were more broken from yes. that one than any other hundred yeah. you've actually done. Yes, because I is... destroyed my legs in that one. Yeah. I I ran the downhills very fast. Yeah, was that I was gonna say was that just you weren't a savvy endurance? You didn't know how to prepare. So you're not a pace. I didn't know how to pace and I and, and here's the thing too, and in you think okay, running downhill you get a break. That's actually worse. Right on your body that's a good way to kind of like you know get into the red zone before you're ready so um the downhills are actually a place where i try to slow down i give myself a threshold and i don't go underneath that threshold. okay let's discuss this when do you at what point do you personally decide i'm not going to run this section uh, so let's talk about uphill first and then talk about downhill. Mm-hmm. So on an uphill, at what point and what steepness or what type of terrain do you decide there is no benefit running this and I'm going to power hike it or whatever? If I can hike it as fast or faster than I run it, yeah, I will hike it. So like my coach Rich says, he says, run when you can and hike when you can't. So that's kind of the 
the motto. Um, And I think one of the biggest things is to practice hiking. A lot of people don't train with hiking and hiking actually uses different muscles than running. I think that because you're a little bit more on your heels, I think cause you're using more calf, you're using a lot more glute. And, um, for me, I use poles or even if I just have my hands on my knees, I'm using my upper body a lot more, a lot more oblique as well. So I think, I think also doing the strength work in the gym really helps with that hiking. Yeah. I'm, I'm a much better uphill runner than I am a downhill runner because I am a very strong hiker. So you're saying I can use my arms running if I bring poles. Yes. So now I might be able to do it next week. <laughs> so it's like the skier, you, I'm, I'm just gonna use these poles and yeah, I'm bring just some gonna- some rollerblades too, yeah, whatever you need. Yeah. <laughs> Get those like Nordic skis. Yes, uh, yes. The okay. rollerblades. Okay. You just finished a race in Park City like yesterday. Snowbird. Snowbird. Saturday. Yes. Is that why, was that the race on the calendar this year? Is that factoring in why you're not doing Leadville this year? I'm not doing Leadville this year because I'm starting nursing school that week. So I will not be available to run or That's a good pace you guys. Yeah, I guess a good answer. <laughs> I mean, whatever. So um, sorry, I won't be there. And you, you said before, um, like as people who are now getting ready to dive into ultra endurance running like John Mark and I, you <laughs> met your coach via John Mark. Is that how? No. How do you I, pick a coach? So I met Rich. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Through, yes, you're correct. He had moved here because he was running Leadville, and he's an amazing runner, amazing collegiate runner as well. And then I I had known him, and then when I had my did not finish in Leadville, you know, John Mark, being the, the smart person that he is, said, hey, why don't we bring in someone else who – you know, gets the running part. Oh, so you were flying solo at 17. I had John Mark helping mm-hmm. me, but I was, That's... I was doing more on my own. And, um, I, I, I think I would have finished if I hadn't blown up. So that was 17, right? 17. Yep. The summer of 17. Summer of 17. So what's interesting is like, I, I don't think, so I would have done the longest endurance event in 17. So we both started like the longest endurance experience. I'd done a 24 hours in Moab, but that's not, I mean, with a team and that's just not the same. Doing something over 24 hours solo, you know, is it, I would have definitely not been able to give you the details now of like, hey, pacing, like those kind of conversations. I wouldn't have been able, I just know so much more about metrics. But what's awesome about Rich is he had done the level 100 multiple times and he had been coming to the gym. And so, and I remember watching your your times and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's freaking, she was hoping to get to this point at this time and she's absolutely crushing it. You know, and I don't even know necessarily, like I think, you that whole experience was like almost like a personal experience as far as like probably incredibly humbling you know like like i probably a little bit of a shot to the ego because you i mean we i felt super confident for you and you felt really confident and then you go into it and you're like dude i'm 
way ahead of pace. Sonny's like meeting up with you, you're way ahead of pace. And then all of a sudden the wheels start coming off. I think for me, in any endurance event that I've done, I've learned more from those experiences. Well, you touched on something that I wanted to ask yeah. you about. And that's like when you are doing a long event by yourself in the middle of the night, things start to get weird. Yes. What do you think about? Where does your mind go? What kind of stuff are you thinking about when you're out there? Have you seen any goblins? <laughs> I did hallucinate um, when I was doing the Vermont 100. Um, it was record heat and humidity that year. And I was hallucinating. I saw, um, I saw tigers. Yeah. And I was seeing like sheep. I thought someone's car in their driveway was a moose. I was I was actually running with my older sister at this point. This was like the last 12 miles of the yeah. race and I was like, "Look out for the moose." And she's like, "What is going on?" So, um <laughs> yeah, but that was that was definitely the weirdest experience. Uh, I spend most of my time thinking, I just try to keep like numbers in my head about like how many calories I've eaten? How many do I have? How much time do I have left till I eat again? How many miles to the next aid station? How many hours have I been running? I just try to keep doing math problems in my head. Um, and I, I try to look around. I, a lot of people run, these courses are in incredibly beautiful places and a lot of people spend the entire time staring at their feet. And I don't, I don't wanna do that. I wanna right. enjoy and soak in the, there, the being somewhere where a lot of people don't get to go. Um, I guess my, so Barry, you've done, Barry's done 24 hours solo. Um, have you done anything longer than 24 hours, Barry? Just parenting challenges. <laughs> no, that, that, and then 24 hours is a misnomer. It was like 25 and a half, but yeah, cause you, count? cause you got in that last lot. Yeah. That's a bummer. That's the longest I've ever done solo. So the grand, we did 39, then we did 38. After 24 hours. And, and I think I do better at night with sleep deprivation than I think some of the other guys. I might not be able to produce the same amount of effort, but I'm probably a little bit more consistent throughout the entire, you know, effort. Um, but I mean, it's like pretty unbelievable at night where guys are dropping like flies. I mean, I'm not it gonna, gets weird. Oh, some dude. people just cannot handle it. And sleep deprivation. And some of these races, you're going through the night, correct? Yes. On I, every single one, have you gone through the night? Yes. And then, and then some, some days. Um, yeah, it definitely, I actually used to dread running at night. Yeah. Um, especially because the night felt, it, it feels very long because you can't tell where you are you're just looking at your watch and your mileage and you're like i'm your only on a half mile what are you talking about um so i definitely in a few of the races i have struggled with getting sleepy like falling asleep literally while i was while you're on my on my feet yeah. to the point where my pacer was like oh my god she's gonna fall over and i just lay down for a few minutes, close my eyes, maybe whimper a yeah. little bit and then get up. And I feel like I drank five Red Bulls and that's do you train crazy. For that? Like, do you set your alarm for 2 AM and go for a run? And um, I don't usually with my awesome winter job of ski patrol in order to manage 
running and going to the gym and things. I am used to getting up pretty early and being in the dark and going to bed in the dark or going home in the dark and going back out in the dark. So I think it's just, just a matter of getting more comfortable with it. Um, and I, I actually, now I enjoy the night more. A lot of times if it's hot during the day, it's, yeah, then you it's definitely enjoy it more. when you've got your headlamp. Mm-hmm. So did you use natural, like, are you using more moonlight or are you having your headlamp on the entire time? Oh yeah, definitely headlamp. I, I did get to do one race that had a full moon, which yeah. was really cool. So I got to use the moonlight, but headlamp is huge and just, you know, that's part of the, part of the challenge with any ultra, but especially a hundred is there's just, it's so long. There's so much equipment. There's so many nuances. There's so many little things that it's, you know, the saying is it's not if something will go wrong, it's when. So, um, you know, I've been in a situation where there's only one headlamp and the headlamp starts to die. And then you're like, okay, what are we doing now? And yeah, um, and that, that like almost like hygiene and technical management is absolutely crucial. Like that if you don't get that stuff dialed, um, it can end everything. I mean, like if you don't take care of your feet, like yes. how many times do you switch socks? I switch socks now probably about every 30 miles or even sooner if yeah. I just, I just sometimes putting on a fresh pair of socks gives you like a little same shoes boost. the whole time. I will switch my shoes. Same thing. Just kind of either your shoes are wet or they're muddy yeah. or they're like full of rocks and dust. And it's same thing. It's just kind of like, you know, putting on a clean shirt, changing your socks, changing your shoes can give you kind of like a emotional boost right. to kind of feel like you're fresh, even though you've been running for, you know, 20 hours at right. that point. So, cause I'm, I'm not the person who's finishing, you know, I'm not finishing Leadville in under 20 hours. I'm not the person who gets to sleep in their own bed and then come back and watch the rest of the people finish. Like I, I do well, but I'm not like the top right. 20% of the What's the races. cutoff? 28? In Leadville, it's 30 hours. Yes. We can do that. <laughs> so that's 30 minute, 30 minute miles, right? No, that's bad math. That's bad math. 30 hours. What kind of pace is that? Miles. 20 right. minute miles. That's not easy, bro. That is not actually faster. (laughs) Yeah. When you put it that way. Yeah. They call it the golden hour. That's like the last hour of every hundred when people are coming in to finish. Those rollerblades might be helpful after all. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll get a set too. Um, So if we, if we do something like this, will you pace us? I would totally pace you. Well, I mean, she won't pace us. We'll probably just all race together. Cause right. She want to do a hundred at our speed. <laughs> right. I'll I'll do you better. I'll I will I will crew you because that's the most important. Even more than pacing, having a good crew. Because we'll be pacing important. each other. The Mary. best thing about this podcast, where we usually just sit and talk about ourselves, is we've managed to bring on an educated, articulate, and interesting guest so that we can talk about ourselves. Right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and what we want to do. Enough about me. Let's hear what you think about me. Um. So you're going to nursing school. I am. And. Yes. Big change in life. Yes. What was the, 
What was the crux of that decision? Um, there's a lot of factors that went into it. I think the COVID shutdown yeah. was a big one. Um, you know, a ski patrol is not an essential right. worker. So all of a sudden I kind of landed without a job. Yeah. And I had been thinking about a career beyond ski patrol yeah. for a little bit and just kind of hadn't had the kick in the rear that I needed. And, and everybody in your entire family is in the medical field. My little brother is not, but oh. everyone else is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, they yeah. they were very excited and supportive. And, cool. um, you know, I also wanted a job that gave me the opportunity to do the things I enjoy, like running yeah. a lot and coming to GOAT and yeah. teaching and skiing. And so... So you'll be in Montana for two years. Yes. It's gonna be a big. Void. It's gonna be a big void for two years, but we can make it. I'll be back. You're Christmas. gonna be a Bozeman. Go yes. downtown. Go to Pork Chop Johns. Hit Cactus Records. Place is great. <laughs> go to the mall, the Bon Marche. They've got an arcade there called the Gold Mine. You're gonna have a great time I forget, in Bozeman. You know that whole area. Yeah, I've got my Bozeman. I got that stamp in my. Passport. I'm still blown away that they have a Target now. Uh, I'm living and right by the Target. And there's yeah. a Whole Foods going in. Like, it's, it's like, what's happening, right? It's a totally different ballgame. It's Boulder. North, <laughs> North Boulder. Yeah. I, at, at some point, it'll just be like the I-70 or the, the Denver corridor will just extend all the way to Bozeman. It's crazy. Do you want to talk about music? Yes. Do you want to talk about your irrational, irrational dislike for the 50 <laughs> times platinum world famous and and honestly america's favorite canadian band nickelback um, <laughs> it came to my attention yesterday that you have a an aversion to their music it's yes so weird. i would say a strong aversion i put some time in last we actually, night well we actually had the background music to the to our podcast originally it was nickelback but there was some copyright infringements that we had to change so I don't, that was the original, but otherwise we would definitely have that. I, I heard podcast. her talking about it in the gym. I wanted to do some homework for the podcast. Yeah. I'm not really that into punk rock usually, but those guys are good. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, what, what? They are so punk. Yeah. I, so it was punk. edgy and in they, your face yes. and I liked it. Mom, mom was like, you are not playing this music. Do you Remember? think it's just too dude, dude centric for you or? I mean, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not hardcore enough for Nickelback. Literally thousands of sold out concerts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. They, they grate me. Give us some, <laughs> give us some background. On how they got started? Well, originally no. formed in Alberta. <laughs> no, in 1995, they formed in Alberta, Canada. No, and, uh, so yesterday oh. we were, we were, in the in the gym where most great conversations happen and Barry wanted to know if you had one bullet one band one bullet one band to get rid of you get rid of yeah all their music all their side projects everything that's happened after them I chose Nickelback followed closely by Jimmy Buffett and I'm a parrot head from way back so let's <laughs> of, just say that ruffled of course, my feathers and of course I said duh beastie boys <laughs> duh <laughs> Um, 
Well, we probably one bullet, one band. She chose Nickelback, and I'm sure a lot of you are turning this podcast off right now in disgust and anger with Emily Salonic, phone number 970. I hope I don't affect your ratings, your podcast ratings or downloads. You're going to get a bunch of one-star reviews like, that lady hates Nickelback. I'm canceling. I've never, I've never heard anybody that doesn't absolutely love them. You must only hang out with like 55-year-old men. Right. Early retired. Um... Let's Not finish off with this. Um, what in running hundreds? What have you learned the most about yourself? And how do you continue to try? Like at some point, when do you think you're done running a hundred? Yeah, miles? have they made you a better person? I think they have made me a better person. I think that. I'm the kind of person who I, I like having a goal yeah. when I don't have a goal, I feel ungrounded in all areas of my life, yeah. especially an athletic goal. I think from coming from a highly competitive structured athletic background, um, I think that for me, I've learned that I I'm, I'm a lot tougher than I gave myself credit for before. Um, and I also have learned that I can share the, the joy of being in a race and experiencing a race with other people without having it take away from my own enjoyment. Yeah, I think that was crucial to see is that sometimes you honestly um like you don't care if you're top 10 it's more about the experience and seeing like you've embraced a little bit of suffering and you understand that and that it's been fun to watch you discover something different about yourself which is pretty fantastic i think it's the alarm over here the, they're doing alarm testing for the fires. So if you guys hear this loud beeping noise. That'll be nice noise, on the podcast. Yeah. If you hear this loud beeping just, noise. Just edit that out, yeah. Nick. Find that frequency. Um, and I would say, too, for me, I think part of the reason why I failed, although I won't say I failed, I did not finish the race yeah. the first year I tried 100, is because I put so much emphasis on a time goal, a numbers yeah. goal. And now my goals are to finish, obviously. Yeah. And then also I want to thank the volunteers. I want to thank my crew. I want to smile when I walk into every aid station. I want to make jokes. I want to have, I want people to remember me in the different, in other races. So that's a, like for someone who wants to do this, that's probably yes. a great insight is like, focus on the finish and for focus on keep moving. Like don't get hung up on time goals. Yes. Like obviously you need to make time goals so you that you don't get so you're safe cut and off. You're smart. Yeah. But how and you though, like I, once I stopped worrying about time goals, I automatically started making them without having to think about them. <clears throat> um, and I think that is way more enjoyable and memorable and fun. And you're still running a hundred miles, whether you are, dead effing last or you know top 10 like i've had races where i finish in the top five women and 
I don't even know until like six months later (laughs) when someone tells me. So I think finishing and feeling good and seeing the people you were there with feel good too is that's like a win, a successful race. That's awesome. Have you got any other like quick bullets for if someone wanted to do this, someone to get endurance reading, like read this book, uh, start strength training, eat a pine cone every day for lunch. Like what, (laughs) what would you say? Like you got any quick takeaways for you can do this too. I think you just have to start and you have to be committed. Like the training, it's a lot of training. It's, it's yes, you could go out and do it. And though like the training is the quote fun part, unquote, um, it takes commitment, just like everything we do here in the gym, right? It's consistency over time. It's showing up when you don't want to, it's sticking with things, even when you might see yourself going backwards in the weight, but it's sticking with the weight or sticking with the lifts. It's sticking with the gym. It's not comparing yourself to other people. And it's finding that, you know, internal desire to keep pushing yourself forward. And I think that's part of the reason why I don't know when I'll stop doing these races. Um, you know, because you're still getting something from it every time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the kind of person who I, you know, I, I did a 50 K last weekend and I was like, Oh man, it's too short for me. So I think, I think the hundred is kind of where my, my sweet spot is now. So it's fun. Just have to be a little stubborn and a little crazy next year. Level Next 100. Year. All right. You are still my hero, regardless my hero. of your poor musical taste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. I just got into it. Just got into it. I'm going to try running on Thursday. Okay. See if the... Um, we Probably next podcast, we should probably discuss for all you males reach, contemplating having a vasectomy. You should probably reach out to John Mark Selig, jmselig at gmail.com or goatgym at gmail.com say hey john mark what do you think about having a vasectomy i will have some information for you might send you a PubMed article might sway your decisions you know how a photo is worth a thousand words yeah can we just see some photos (laughs) yeah totally totally (laughs) eggplant for dinner yeah so let's just say my running progression was on a very good path so running a hundred right now sounds like Never, because of the undercarriage again. So, Emily, thank you. We love you. Thank you, guys. Um, we are going to are miss, miss you, you when you gym. go to the bows. Yeah. Well, I I want to say thanks to John, Mark, and Laura, and yeah. everybody at the gym because I would not have gotten to the starting line of any of my races without you guys. That's awesome. And I just value this community so much, and it's definitely irreplaceable cool that's fun it's fun to see people kind of like see the value in it have their own goals but also like give back to what we're trying to do and it's fun you've always done that so thanks cool (laughs) you guys listen to smart list it's a much better podcast than that because mainly one they're famous i think we're just as funny but um, they're also really famous. Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and, um, and Sean Hayes. And at the end, they go, guys, I was thinking about going to this place called Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, let it slip away.
celebrate, kind of say complain with your ways, how you slipping while you